Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast. I'm Jonathan Gang. More than a decade ago, Steve Sailing started out with a simple mission. He wanted to live independently for as long as he could. But for someone recently diagnosed with ALS, this wasn't such an easy proposition. However, with help from some key collaborators, Steve was able to achieve this vision. Ten years ago today, August 13th, 2010, the doors of the Steve Sailing ALS residence were opened. The residence combines the use of high-tech, accessible automation with specially trained 24-7 caregivers to provide an independent living environment for people living with ALS. Today, Steve joins us to talk about how the ALS residence came to be and how he hopes its model could someday improve the lives of people living with ALS around the world. First of all, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be invited to do this podcast on the 10th anniversary of the grand opening of the world's first residential, fully automated, vent-ready, skilled service residence for people living with ALS. There were plenty of nursing home professionals who told us we were doomed to fail. Not only have we succeeded, but we have doubled in size, and we want to grow. On August 13, 2010, the morning started with Governor Deval Patrick cutting the ribbon and ended with a personal message from Stephen Hawking congratulating us for setting the standard for the world. It is a great honor to share this special day with my friends at TDI. Steve's journey began back in 2006 when he was diagnosed with ALS. He was 38 years old, had just gone through a divorce, and was facing life as a single man who would soon need round-the-clock care. But he was determined to find a way to live as independently as possible, and he believed the technology was out there that could help him do it. One of the first things I promised my parents was that I would be at their funeral, not the other way around. Since I planned to outlive my parents, the first thing I started doing after my diagnosis was researching my long-term living arrangements. I had already planned to move back to Georgia to live with my mom. I guess I was naive, but I was shocked when I learned that there was not an automation system on the market designed for use by the disabled. That shock turned to horror when I learned that not a single nursing home in Georgia would accept a vented resident. There was a place right across the border in South Carolina where all of the Georgia vented people worshipped, and the reviews were terrible so I did not even bother to visit. I had met a guy my age online on MySpace. He was a single. 38-year-old guy like me, but he had had ALS for many years, and was now on a vent. His family was not able to take care of him and his girlfriend could not take the pressure, and left him. The only place that would accept him on a vent was hours away from his family and friends. It just so happened that my brother lived nearby so I made plans to visit my new friend on my next visit to see my brother. I went to visit knowing that I would be seeing my future, and it was not pretty. He was living in an acute care hospital. I was lucky that he was between roommates so we had the room to ourselves. 
His last roommate had been a gunshot victim, who would moan all night long. My friend did not even get the bed near the window. I was shaken. His life was my nightmare. I swore to myself that I would never end up like that. I was on a mission, determined to find a way. A couple of weeks later, in April 2007, I went to an ALS symposium with my aunt searching for answers. A woman overhears my aunt asking about my future living options and introduces us to a nursing home CEO named Barry Berman who had an idea about creating a home for people with ALS but he had no idea where to start which is why he had come to that symposium. He told me his idea of building a greenhouse nursing home, but all I heard was nursing home, so I was skeptical. I told him that any ALS residents would have to provide ventilator support and be fully automated to see if he would scare off. When he immediately agreed to both if I would help, a beautiful partnership was begun. Stephen Barry's collaboration would eventually lead to the opening of the Steve Sailing ALS residence at the Chelsea Jewish Nursing Home in Chelsea, Massachusetts. The project of building a home that would cater the needs of people living with ALS would bring many challenges. The construction of the home where I live should have been impossible because of all of the regulations required but destiny was on our side. Even Governor Romney risked his political capital by approving 100 new Medicaid beds when there had been a long-term moratorium prohibiting them. In three short years, we went from the architect's schematic design to me moving into my dream home. It was hard work convincing some of the subcontractors, especially the elevator people, but in the end it all worked perfectly and the peak automation system has proven itself to be 99.9% .9 reliable, very important, when people's independence is on the line. Peak, or the Proximus Environment Automation Controller, is the automation system that powers the ALS residents. It allows residents to wirelessly control things like doors, thermostats, TVs, and elevators. The peak automation system is a perfect example of necessity as the mother of invention. Our original plan was to work with a graduate class specializing in adaptive technology. It quickly became apparent to me that our needs were far over the heads of some volunteer students working on a class project. The big hang-up was how to provide a power supply to all of the different controllers that would be required on a mobile wheelchair. I was back in Georgia for the holidays when I had my Eureka moment and the idea that would become peak popped into my head. Instead of carrying all of the power-hungry controllers on my wheelchair, I would build them into the building and control them remotely through a central server and everything could be powered on the grid with a generator backup. I knew that permissions could be set so that a single system could serve multiple users. The big problem was that the software did not exist. This was January 2009, and the building was under construction since the fall. 
I sent an email to every automation company I could find online, which was very few, and there was only one company who was willing to do custom programming, Promixis. I immediately knew this company understood the gravity of the problem and could create a solution. I did not look forward to explaining why we should turn down free student help and pay a professional hundreds of thousands but Barry understood this was an investment that would change people's lives and did not hesitate to agree. Unfortunately, Promixis was not large enough a company to market peak at an affordable price, so the company is no longer taking new customers. Peak is still unique in the marketplace, so I am working on trying to get Google, Microsoft, or Amazon interested. Fingers crossed. With the Peak system in place, the new facility opened in 2010. The next big challenge was finding staff with the specialized skills necessary to properly care for people living with ALS. If you have ever designed your own house and supervised its construction, then you know what a thrill it is to finally move in. We intentionally grew slowly because our caregivers had no experience with ALS, so it was all on-the-job training. There were no instructions to teach CNAs how to care for pals. That is the reason no one, including me, wants to live in a nursing home. We went through a lot of CNAs until we got the best of the best. It was a years-long process but our staff now purrs like a cat. Over the years, we have learned a lot. I have long thought that what we have learned is valuable information that would improve the quality of life for pals who are stuck in traditional nursing homes who suffer not because of malice but because of ignorance. So I made a proposal to patients like me and another to the ALS Association, and they both gave me a generous grant to produce a series of short videos to specifically train CNAs and home health aides how to care for pals. The video series will be published on YouTube in 2021. It is my hope that the videos will be a resource for pals who are deciding between a nursing home and death. The videos will definitely be used to train new staff here which will make the ALS residences even better than they are now. This keeps me very busy during the pandemic. According to Steve, life in an ALS residence has proven to be very comfortable even with the challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic this year. And even though the facility can only accommodate a limited number of residents, it's an experience they work hard to make accessible to anyone, regardless of their financial situation. Every resident wakes up when they want, has breakfast when they want, and spends the day doing what they want. Before the coronavirus, we were able to go out as we pleased, the LFCL had regular outings to the movies, the theater, sporting events, concerts, museums, or even the casino with a complimentary $100 from the LFCL to bet on. Even the vented residents are invited to most activities. Maybe not skydiving. The pandemic has been brutal because the Commonwealth have put all residents 
of nursing homes under house arrest, but at least we have a beautiful yard with a babbling waterfall. It is like being locked up in paradise. As of now, the Leonard Florence Center for Living, or LFCL, has two ALS residences and one MS residence. Each house has ten private bedrooms, each with a private full bathroom. Anyone with ALS or PLS is welcome to apply. Admission is blind to finances. Most everyone is on mass health. The LFCL gets my disability check, but I have no out-of-pocket expenses. This is a very deliberate policy. ALS doesn't care how much money you have, and neither do we. It costs several hundred thousand dollars every year to supplement mass health coverage for a house of 10 residents. We cannot depend on annual fundraisers because people's lives are at stake. We are looking for a $13 million endowment to be established, and we will convert one of the remaining houses in the LFCL into an ALS residence. The interest on that endowment will cover operations in perpetuity. Steve hopes ALS residences like the one in Chelsea could spread around the world and help more and more people. It's already inspired a handful of other facilities and organizations, but there's a big obstacle high cost of providing this kind of advanced care. After 10 years of looking, I have discovered, not surprisingly, that there are very few nursing home CEOs who are willing to take on a project that is designed to lose up to $500,000 every year. There is a determined organization in Hawaii that has a lot of political support. I know there is a recently built nursing home in North Georgia that will accept vented PALS, but it is not very residential. There is also a renovated nursing home in upstate New York, but I think it is less residential than the place in Georgia. There is also an ALS residence in the Mediterranean island nation of Malta. May have to work on finding out how to finance a business trip there. It all comes down to money, of course, one compassionate billionaire could make it happen. Barry Berman and Chelsea Jewish Life Care are prepared to open several more ALS residences within the LFCL. With adequate financial support, we could expand nationally and have regional ALS centers of excellence around the country. I would love to get Bill Gates's ear. I could help him fulfill his giving pledge considerably. ALS TDI has partnered with and supported Steve in the ALS Residence Initiative on fundraising and other projects throughout the years. It's a relationship based in what Steve calls the two organizations' complementary mission. Two weeks after my diagnosis, I went to a premiere of a movie about ALS called So Much So Fast. I had the honor of meeting Stephen Haywood at the theater which was a few weeks before he died. A couple of months later, I went to a MGHALS presentation where the featured speakers were Jamie Haywood and Augie Nieto. Augie's only symptom at the time was weak arms and hands. In the meantime, 
my buddies Chuck McNamee and Gabe Cohen had found out about the Tri-State Trek and had signed up. I had been a member of patients like me since my diagnosis. I think Chuck, Gabe, and I went on a tour of the old TDI, and it was the end of the day so of course everyone was going out to drink beer. Back then, TDI and PLM felt more like clubs than jobs, but anyway, that was the first time I met Ben Haywood, and the rest is history. Research is critical, and is in everyone's best interest but ALS has been a human condition for almost 150 years, and it has been a tricky bugger. I love the optimism but I don't think there will be a medical cure in the next 20 years. If anything, there will be a treatment that will clearly slow down or stop the progression. That will just drive up demand for ALS residences. Research is very important, but so is providing some quality of life for the people living with ALS today. Yes, TDI and ALSRI have very different missions, but we are both the best at what we do so we complement each other very well. Steve says now, with 10 years of service behind them, there's big things on the horizon for the ALS Residency Initiative but he can't talk about it just yet. I would like to give you some big news, but it isn't confirmed yet. Keep your eyes and ears open for some big news that will be released before the virtual walk for living on October 18th. Peace out everyone and always remember, life is good. For more information on the ALS Residency Initiative and the Steve Sailing ALS Residence at the Chelsea Jewish Nursing Home, visit ALSRI.org. To learn more about ALS TDI's research to find effective treatments for ALS, you can visit us at ALS.net. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at endpoints at als.net.